This is the reason, I think this is one of the big reasons why within the midst of the, the Beatitudes in, in Matthew 5 through 7, as you essentially see Jesus sort of rehashing through the law, the Lord's Prayer comes up in the midst of that. Because there needs to be an understanding of where you fit with the Lord and, and speaking to Him, having conversation with Him. The second thing we see after loving that process, being with one another in the Word, being with one another in prayer, is to continue and encourage one another. Continue and encourage one another. And mind you, I want to, be, I want to take a second. Let me step back for a minute. I'm not, anything I say here in regards to discipleship, I'm not disparaging the large group setting of worship. I'm not disparaging programs that the, the, the church sets up to run, right? Whether it's for the community or for reaching out to the poor, whatever it is. I'm not disparaging any of these things. What I'm trying to say is that there is an intentionality behind our relationship and are we seeking out a few people in our life to spend time with and to really dive deeper in with and get to know? The second thing we see now is also a sense of behind this continuing um, encouragement from John is self-sufficiency. That Gaius is clearly a believer now who's able to function on his own. You know, I don't believe that my children or younger individuals that I've discipled, they're needed. I don't believe that if I had just walked away from them and stopped discipling them, that they would have necessarily kept going in the same way. Their roots wouldn't have been strong. There's a cultivation that needs to happen as we disciple those around us. I like to compare. I love gardening. I love being out outside, spending time with my plants. You were to, I have a little plot behind our house in Philadelphia, and if you were to go out there right now, there's cucumbers, there's tomatoes, there's, um, what else is growing out there? There's, some, there's some, some lilacs that are beautiful, bringing the bees right now. There's all sorts of plants, but my favorite, my favorite are the strawberries. And strawberries remind me of discipleship, and here's why. You grow a strawberry plant, and, and strawberries do this thing where they send out these little runners, Right? And these little runners want to put down roots and do, and do other things. And for the first couple of years of a strawberry plant's life, you actually have to prune those back. You don't want those runners to go out because it'll inhibit the fruit that is born by the plant itself. And so for the first couple of years, you've got to pluck those. Right? And it, you know, it's, it's hard. I, you know, I go to pluck those. Oh, man, that's, that could turn into more strawberries. But it's actually for the betterment of that plant when you do that. There's an, there's an intentional investment in that strawberry plant that must happen. However, after the first couple of years of doing that, the fruit that that plant begins to produce starts going gangbusters. Right now, if I were to go out to my strawberry plant, I've been doing this, I've got this plant, and I think I've had this plant for about two years now, and right now there's about four or five sections that each have five or six little things of strawberries coming off on them, right? And then what happens once I've spent that intentional time pouring into that strawberry plant, is that now those runners that are going out, I can actually begin to turn those into new strawberry plants. And so the runner goes out, I get a, my pot there, I put it in, right? Let it start to grow on its own, and eventually I clip it. 
little self-sufficiency. The, the strawberry plant is good on its own, and I move it, and I'll let that one start to grow. Gaius was a strawberry plant. John invested in him. He spent time with him, discipling him, pouring into him. But eventually, it was time for Gaius to be able to put down his own roots. He separated. He began to grow on his own. And what we see here now is the way that John is so encouraged that, that this plant grew on its own and continues to hold to the truth. The other thing, and this going back to the example of his children, is the discipleship allows for observation of your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Discipleship allows for observation of your life. You think about your children. You have children, they're in your home, and I'll tell you right now, my children could tell you all the sinful parts about me. It's on full display every day. They see when I, my, my temper runs short. They see when I say things. I've been, man, I've been convicted about this a lot lately, is how I, you know, I may see things and say things about people that are just unkind words. And then I see my children saying unkind words, and I can't believe they're so awful and wretched, right? They learned it. They observed. They watched. They saw. Discipleship allows for that same sort of thing, and what it does in that process is not just for the disciple to see what a godly life looks like from the, from the discipler, but also what it looks like to pursue after the Lord, but also the disciple gets to see what it looks like to pursue after the Lord when the discipler has fallen, when they've sinned, when they've screwed up, and what it looks like to go back to the Lord and say, I need thee, Lord, I need thee every hour. I need thee. So how do we do this? How do we do this? I would encourage you to consider, what are the rhythms of my life? What are the rhythms of my life? We all have different rhythms that we follow, and there are other people who very well may follow very similar rhythms. Invite those people into your life. Spend time with them in your home, whatever it is, it literally could be anything. You go to the grocery store, hey, I'm going to the grocery store, you want to come? You're going to spend time with each other in the car. You're going to spend time in the store. They're going to observe you. They're going to watch you, right? Maybe it's someone at work. And this is a hard one for a lot of people because our workplaces tell us to keep our faith out of there. But that's a great touch point where you now invite that person into your life outside of there. And you spend time with one another. Maybe you find yourself in a place where you're meeting up, you know, with other, with other parents in other locations, whether it's the park or wherever it is. Invite people into the rhythms of your life. We all have rhythms. I'm not asking you, I'm not saying that there's anything, there's no, there's, this is not some sort of additional program. This is not some sort of extra thing to add into your life. What are the rhythms of your life? Who is it that's walking alongside of you with those rhythms? And are you using them as an opportunity to evangelize and disciple those around you? 
final thing we're going to see here is in these last four verses, the ultimate impact. So there is the inward impact. There is the inward building up that has obviously happened within this relationship of Gaius. But then there's an outward push that happens when we spend intentional time discipling others. There's an outward communal transformation that occurs. And this is essentially what John is referring to when he says, For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth. Who were these brothers? In verse 5, For these brothers, strangers as they were, who testified to your love before the church, you will do well and send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. So there was essentially missionaries going out with the truth. So there is this building inward of the church body and the pushing outward of the gospel to go to those who need it. And one of the things, well, I should say actually now, one of the things that we notice in this outward call to push out is in verses 7 and 8. For they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Obviously, there is the needing to support one another financially so that those who are out doing that work, going out in that missionary capacity, can actually be out there helping to build up new communities, helping to do that discipling. But why is it so important that they not accept anything from the Gentiles? Why is this so important? Because there's this recognition that there should not be this sense of bait and switch. I need you to come be part of my Christian community so that you can financially support me so that I can keep living. We don't want unbelievers to have this sense that the only reason I'm trying to get you to come here is because I need to eat. It's just disingenuous. And especially in this current culture where so many people have walked away from the church. That's going to be a major concern for people as we seek to reach out to those who no longer call themselves believers. You have pictures of televangelists all around society, people who dress the nicest, drive the nicest things, and then when they fall or people walk away, there's a sense of they were only doing it for the financial gain. We, don't want un- we never want, as we reach out to unbelievers, to be this sense of there's some sort of financial gain that is coming from this. That isn't the point. The point is that they know the truth. Because in the truth comes salvation. Ultimately, all of us have a role here. And more specifically, in our time and space right now, this role is to be reaching out and discipling others. We all have at least a few people around us. And I would encourage you that it's probably best if it's only a few. Don't try to start some revival with 30, 40 people 
What I'm trying to say is there's, there's one, two, three. Maybe there's another brother or sister who you know well, and you, you know someone else also that could use that time and investment, that discipleship, that reaching out into them. Get together. Hey, let's go spend some intentional time with this person. You're looking at the relationships around you. How can the Lord use them to transform others? How can the Lord use you to transform others? The question will always be then, under this umbrella of truth, are we ourselves spiritually growing? If you know you're a younger believer, or even if you're a more mature believer, who are those who are farther on down the road from you? And are you attaching yourself to them and growing? If you're a younger believer in the faith, look around you. Who are the more spiritually mature that you would do well to attach yourself to? If you don't know, part of the role of your leadership in this church is that they help you connect and grow. As we do this, we will see transformation. I'll close with one final, one final image. A tree. I want you to remember a tree. If you remember nothing else from the day, I want you to remember a tree. We live in a social media age that believes we can cause change by posting things, you know, retweeting things enough times. If we have a loud enough outcry, that's how change comes. If you think of a tree, that's not how change comes. A tree doesn't grow up in its place and reach out thousands of miles away to provide fruit and shade somewhere else. A tree is localized. It can only grow where it is, provide fruit where it is, and provide shade, healing, and comfort where it is. You are all trees. You are all called to invest locally in a few people around you as disciples of Christ, bringing that truth, that healing, that comfort to those around you. You know what a bunch of trees are? They're a forest. When you walk through a forest, there's something transformational about being in that forest and seeing the intricacies and the life that come from that forest. Don't try to impact change thousands of miles away. Be a tree right where you are, discipling and caring for those who are around you here and now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, you have called us to be your disciples, to cling tightly to your truth, Lord. You have called us, God, to reach out and care for those around us. And specifically, we see this example of the older John reaching out and caring for and discipling the younger Gaius. And the way he was encouraged by his growth and the way he propagated and pushed out from there. Lord God, help us to grow in that same way. May we invest in one another in that same manner, Lord God. 
Allow us to be where we are, living our daily lives with one another, involving others in our daily rhythms, and allowing them to taste and see the goodness that comes with being a follower of Jesus Christ. Father, we lift all of this up to you in the name of Jesus.